Welcome to Tedakawi's Manufacturing in Mexico podcast, where we talk to internal and external experts to provide you with news, insights, and best practices about doing business in Mexico. Whether you're thinking about expanding into Mexico or already there, this podcast will provide you with the information and advice you need to launch, operate, and thrive. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Tedakawi's Manufacturing in Mexico podcast. I'm David McQueen, and joining me today is Leticia Rodriguez. How are you doing today, Letty? Good. How are you, David? Great. Thanks for joining us. Our previous podcasts have covered a number of the strategic and operational factors companies need to consider in order to successfully manufacture in Mexico. Today, we're going to focus on logistics and shipping. Letty is an expert in logistics from our sister company, ILS. And today, I'm going to be asking the questions, and Letty will be sharing her expertise with us. I guess the past few years have been pretty crazy as far as logistics is concerned. Is that right, Letty? Yes, it definitely has. It's been a, uh, since the pandemic, it's port situations are crazy. The driver situation in the U.S. is getting better, but, you know, every the whole industry was shaken up. But hopefully it'll level off soon. Not anytime very soon, though, for sure. <laughs> are things any better than they have been, or is it still pretty much the same? Well, the air freight, international air rates have gone down. The port situation isn't as much in delays as it was before, so it is getting better. The trucker situation in the U.S. is also, the demand is going down in the last couple months. Mexico is booming, though. There's a lot of uh, freight in Mexico right now, so uh, we're seeing a, a shift on the increase in demand in the Mexico side. Well, at least there's some encouraging news there. Let's talk specifically about what the companies listening in today need to do. And let's start with Emex, since most manufacturers will choose to be an Emex company. Can you remind our listeners what Emex is and then tell us a bit about how it affects shipping in Mexico? Sure. Well, Emex is basically a tax preferential treatment that you get to import into Mexico to be able to take your business uh, into Mexico under EMEX certification. And you can manufacture there. You can import the raw materials under that program and you can import duty-free. And you can export your finished product. And that basically gives you a a tax advantage where you can take advantage of of the lower labor costs and still be able to keep your reasonable rates on the materials that you manufacture. And does Emex affect my shipments within Mexico as well, or just when I move goods into or out of Mexico? It affects both because you can have transactions, uh, which are called virtual transactions, between two Emex companies within Mexico. So the transaction takes place virtually on paper. You know, the purchase is done from, what, let's say, one American company to another. So the finished good of one company could be the raw material for another, and once it, the, the transaction takes place, the material can ship from the manufacturing facility in Mexico to another one in Mexico without, without a problem. And of oh. course, shipping out internationally would be the, the normal process as an importer export shipment. So even within Mexico, it helps me avoid taxes. That sounds like that's what I should be doing if I'm going to be in Mexico. Yes, it's, a, it's been a big trend, um, you know, as more companies are nearshoring or coming from other countries just due to the whole pandemic situation, how it uh it changed the dynamic for a lot of the just-in-time companies. So they're nearshoring. And what we see there is that they, you know, they were finding suppliers of raw materials that were bought in other countries just there in Mexico. 
Great. Okay, let's talk about how we move goods. And um, let's start by talking about trucks. Can you tell me how the Mexican trucking industry differs from what our listeners might be accustomed to in the U.S. or other countries? Yeah, so Mexico is it's a lot different. In the U.S., you have technology which is more advanced, so you have more systems to be able to vet your carriers and see or to make a decision whether your carrier that you're contracting is someone that's reputable, you know, somebody that has hauled how many loads, how many truckers. You can see basic information from their MC number, their mortar carrier number. And that you can determine if the if the carrier, you know, could be someone that, that's good to work with. In the Mexico side, that doesn't really exist. Um, you have the SCT, but it doesn't have that much detail. And basically the truckers will get the permit for one of their trucks and then they can continue buying more trucks or adding more. It's not as regulated. So and then there's also, you know, they open a business and they don't have the infrastructure for it, uh, which could be a mom and pop. And, and then they could just disappear the next day, you know. So it's, it's good to, in Mexico, you have to vet the carriers you use. And actually, when you're going to onboard them, you find them by Google and all that, like you would in the U.S. But then you physically have to visit them and make sure their facility is what you need, that they have the infrastructure, the processes in place in case of um, urgencies. And they they have the tracking capabilities, so you have to do your due diligence a little bit more. So, would you recommend that people avoid mom and pop type operators, or some of them worth uh, using if you check them out appropriately? Yeah, some are worth using. It, it, it does carry a risk, though, just because many don't have very good cash flow. So, you want to make sure that you're using one that you already have a relationship. So that if you're just starting out in Mexico, it's best to avoid them until you actually know more about them and, and can get a better better understanding of how they work. And what about the trucks themselves? Is there anything I should be aware of about the equipment that's used in Mexico that would be different, say, than what I'm used to in the United States? Yes, in Mexico, the roads are not as developed, the road infrastructure, you know, is not as developed as in the U.S. So they tend to be, the trailers that are used and tractors used in Mexico tend to be a older models, typically, not all are, but the average age in U.S. Uh, versus in, uh, Mexico is uh, a lot lower in the U.S. So you do have to make sure that you inspect part of the visit to the carrier when you decide that you want to work with them. Is seeing, making sure that the trailers are in good condition. Just because they're older doesn't mean that they don't work. It's just that they have to make sure they have a, a repair process in place so that they have no holes and make sure that your material is kept in good standing so back to that same issue of checking things out carefully before you you engage with somebody. Exactly. Yeah. The process for carrier onboarding in Mexico is more manual, like as you could say, you know, you don't have as much technology to rely on. And how can I make sure that my load is going to be secure and it's it's not going to get hijacked or or stolen? There's many logistics companies that, you know, do things differently. Personally, I find that we have, you know, pers- a person that's dedicated to security and is able to find what routes or is able to keep um, updated with the authorities in Mexico of what routes are higher risk, which ones are lower risk. It's always good to tell our carriers to stay on the toll roads, but some toll roads are even also not very safe at night. So having someone that knows Mexico and knows how the current state is in each state and city, what we do is we tweak the process on our operational side and if it, it can't transit through that area at night, we hold the driver, tell him to stay there. And then the next morning at five, six in the morning, he can resume his route. So that just keeps the material safe and, and our drivers as well. 
it sounds like something I need to take some care with, but is it likely to happen? Is it very common for any of the loads that you are responsible for to be be hijacked or, or stolen? It depends on the commodity. If the commodity that you're moving and being that this is, you know, mainly emix companies, there's going to be in the manufacturing industry. We find that more in like consumer goods, although it's not exempt, you know, that a, a trailer with auto products can't, you know, is a high risk because they might have like copper wiring or whatever it may be that can be stolen. But, you know, typically it's stuff that they can sell out on the road. If it's a trailer of like chips, I've seen that once <laughs> that they ended up just stealing the, the contents. They open the trailer, take every, you know, take as much as they can or stuff like um, razors that they use. It's just consumer goods or electronics, that stuff that's easy to sell on the street. I've heard that's that's a significant risk actually in Canada and the US as well. Cigarettes yeah. apparently are are one that's commonly hijacked. Wow, well, yeah, yeah. All right. What kind of insurance do I need? Is that different uh, than I would have elsewhere? Yes, I definitely recommend that you have this insured. There's different types of coverages, just depending on what insurance company you work for, what logistics company. Some logistics companies don't offer the insurance with Mexico shipments. In Mexico itself, it's not required by law to carry cargo insurance. I mean, they do, but what it covers is just pennies on on the dollar. So it's not really worth, you know, it it won't pay you anything. So you do need to insure. And in the U.S. is the opposite. You have to have at least $100,000 coverage, right, for cargo insurance. So being that in Mexico is not required by law, if you're transporting in Mexico and you're not insuring your goods and you're definitely um, at risk of something happening and just not getting your money back. So it's good to choose, you know, just depending on the commodity, what it is that you're moving, quote it with your insurance agent or get it also with the logistics company or carrier that you're working with, which there's some that if you have certain volumes already set up and, and consistent freight, you can get a pretty decent quote for that. Okay. Well, what about if I move goods by ocean? Uh, how does ocean shipping work in Mexico? All right. Ocean shipping. It's the port situation that we're seeing right now in Mexico in Manzanillo. It's getting very similar to how it, how it is in, in Long Beach, you know, as far as the port saturation. So if you're coming from Asia, you typically that's the go-to port. That's one of the main ports. And the process, you know, the it's a little bit lengthier. Like if you're used to shipping ocean via, you know, via, via U.S., you can account for a couple more days when you're going through a Mexico port because the, the customs process is different um, where everything is suspected physically by a customs broker. So it takes a little bit longer. So that needs to happen before you set an appointment to pick up a container. But it's very, you know, you're talking one or two days uh, once the container is is offloaded. Um, So one or two days more than you would in the U.S. And what are the best ports for me to look at right now uh, on both the Atlantic and Pacific side? Pacific side, well, depends on the destination, final destination in, in Mexico. So if you're going further south, you may evaluate Lázaro Cárdenas. And if you're going further north, evaluate Ensenada. Although Ensenada is starting to see a little bit more port saturation than before, just because of the, of the Manzanillo situation right now. So that's something that really fluctuates, you know, month over month. When you're getting ready to ship, just contact your uh, logistics company, whoever you want to ship with, and make sure that they take a, a look at the current port situation. On the Gulf side, the, those are not too bad right now. Either Altamira or Veracruz are, are the most popular. And if I want to bring goods, uh, say, I don't know, to a, to a U.S. port, 
and then have them transshipped. Am I able to do that, to bring goods into the U.S. and then bring those goods by land into Mexico? Yes, uh, that's actually still a very common option for the northern area of Mexico, just because, you know, you could go through, let's say you're going to Hermosillo, Sonora, you can go through Long Beach and import it through the States as an inbound shipment, which eliminates any duties, just goes in through in transit. And uh, in Nogales is where it would clear Mexican customs. And then that's when you would, uh, and we would deliver to Hermosillo. The timing is very similar as Ensenada. And you would own, and you would bypass duties in the U.S. by by moving it in bond. And in Houston, same thing. If you're shipping to the Saltillo area, Chihuahua area, up in, in the northern areas. And what about the other way? Uh, I assume it works the other way too. I can ship my goods out of Mexico to a U.S. port and then have them loaded to uh, on a container and, and shipped somewhere else. You can, but you know it's interesting because that hasn't really gained traction too much um, in. It was mainly used for railroad uh, shipping where they would go um, where you, it can, it's called Entrancito, which is like an inbound shipping in Mexico. Uh, what that does is that is, uh, you know, the inbound equivalent. So you can bring it in through, let's say, the Ensenada port and open the Entrancito, which is a, a special pedimento type. And then you export and you don't pay duties. You just pay the fees for the brokerage. But that's really from the ports. It has never really been very popular just because we've, you know, they would just come in through the U.S. port just because it's easier if you're chipping into the U.S. But we've seen that trend in the last year or so, year and a half, but that we're getting some Ensenada traffic going bonded, which is called Entrancito, and delivering in the L.A. area or California or Arizona. So, so yes, it's possible. Okay. And you mentioned railroads. What's the rail network like in Mexico? And are there any particular things about rail shipping that I should know? Well, you know, rail is very popular. You know, it's definitely, uh, it's been also congested um, as far as going northbound out of Mexico. There's a lot of industries that use that mode of transport, a lot in the and the automotive and then the, in the coal and mining. Uh, there's definitely a lot of industry, industries that take advantage of that. It is, however, northbound right now, the container availability for intermodal is, is very scarce. So you do have to plan way ahead in advance. And uh, when you compare it with the weight and the weight and also the cost, it might be just easier to ship over the road on on a regular truck. Uh, And it might be not say, you know, might be very similar in cost. But if you're going southbound uh, from, let's say, like the Midwest area down into like Mexico City, get it out of the main cities. It's a really good option right now. It's actually the, the rate's really low. Yeah, I assume that's one of the issues um, just generally is depending on which direction you're going, one mode or another might be a, a little easier to use because of the amount of traffic going the other way. Correct, correct. And, and then when it's on the train, the difficult part is if you wait two weeks to get, you know, an opening to get onto a train. And then once it's on the train, you can't do much. You know, you just have to wait until it gets to its destination. So if you have anything urgent or anything that could get urgent, it's best to just truck it. Okay, so we've we've talked about how we physically move our stuff around. Let's talk about customs and ports of entry. What are the best ports of entry for Mexico for truck traffic, if I'm, I'm looking at truck travel? Well, best. I would start out by saying most popular. The one that has the most traffic is Laredo, then it's Tijuana, then Nogales and El Paso, which are, you know, those are the most popular. Now, best if you're talking about, let, let's say you want to cross through Texas and, um, oh, I'm sorry, and there's McAllen, uh, far Texas as well. 
for example, using comparing Laredo and Far Texas, which are geographically really close, you know, it's only a couple hours from each other. Laredo has a bulk of the traffic, therefore there's more carriers there. You know, there's more, uh, everybody wants to go there to get loads and deliver loads. So typically you don't pay, you know, extra mileage for them running empty anywhere versus if you're going to be crossing through, through let's say Brownsville or if or through FAR, then, you know, there's not as many carriers. So the rates tend to go up a little more. However, it's quicker to cross because they don't have as much traffic. You're talking maybe about an extra four to five hours. It could be a day more, just depending on, on the, process, the broker process. And how long would it take to cross at Laredo? What am I looking at six hours or eight hours or it depends because there's seasonalities involved when there's produce season in Mexico, when there's certain uh, uh avocado season or when there's more exports, when there's uh, more tomato, uh avocado, you know, things that are flowers as well. They tend to be a little bit more, a little bit busier. So it could be four, six, maybe even eight hours. I've had that. But when it's not as busy, it could be two or three. So it just depends. Well, you don't see as much fluctuation on the on the far side, on the far Texas or Brownsville. So my carrier rates are likely to be a little lower if I use one of the high volume ports, but my crossing time is likely to be better if I go to one of the lower volume ports. Is that, correct. that sort of what you say? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct. Now, I understand that my trailer can go straight through to the U.S., but that my tractor can't. It needs to be changed. How does that work? Yeah, so typically on a on a door-to-door shipment, so let's say from Canada down to Mexico City, so you would have the material loaded in Canada, um, and then when it gets to the U.S. border, they have they drop in hooks. So they basically unhook that trailer. They unhook a, a driver that only does the border crossing. They're called the Drayman. They drive... They, Dray it to the Mexico side. And then from the Mexico side, you have the third driver that uh, attaches and delivers to Mexico City. That would have three drivers for one same truck. Okay. And I guess there's a system in place to do that at the border. And would my freight forwarder look after that or do I have to arrange it myself? Or Well, if a freight forwarder is providing the service, it is they those that's part of the basic questions because sometimes the Mexican customs broker does to do the crossing themselves. Okay. Uh, many times they don't, I know they just provide the whole service. It's easier to coordinate, but if you're going directly with a carrier, uh, you want to make sure that they do provide the drainage service because not all of them do. Uh, so then if they don't, you would have to find one with usually it's the Mexican customs broker. Okay. Now what sorts of things should I be doing to make sure that my goods clear customs smoothly? Are there best practices you recommend for people? Yes. Mexico is known for being very uh, bureaucratic when they import, right, on the import side. So when they're shipped, when you're actually going to ship there, you want to make sure that you have all your materials been either pre-inspected or pre-looked at or with pictures or somehow with the customs broker, because that's usually the delays what we see is that a shipment arrives and the broker didn't know and nobody's coordinated and nobody, they offloaded and they're starting from scratch, you know, to figure out what it is that you're trying to ship. So by letting them know ahead of time, they'll ask you the questions they need pertaining to your particular shipment. And that way they can get ready. So when it arrives, it's a faster inspection process and the paperwork's pretty much already pre-done. And that would take, you know, that could be done the same day. Versus I've seen somebody ship a truckload of, fasteners and different things, items that need to be inspected one by one. And it can be two, three, four days that that process can take. So the best thing is preparation. 
Okay. How much does it cost to clear goods into Mexico versus, say, what it costs me to go the other way into the U.S.? It's kind of a tough one. Eliminating duties, you know, because duties can vary so much. It is a costlier process. I would say maybe about 50 to 60% more in Mexico, just because, especially on the initial shipments, because they actually have to do a thorough inspection of everything, and that takes time. So depending on how much time it takes them, that would be how much you would get billed initially. But once okay. you have you develop the relationship with the customs broker, they get familiar with your product and the inspection is faster, so it's cheaper. So it's kind of hard to say, like an actual yeah. number, uh, because it does vary by case because of the physical process. But it's definitely a little bit more than it would cost to go the other way. It is initially it is, and uh, once it's set up and you know you don't have a hundred percent inspections, it gets a, a lot more reasonable. Now, what about other ports of entry? Are there differences in the way that uh, that I clear, say, for ocean or or at an airport rail? How do those work? I mean, overall, the process is the same. You prepare the same document, the pedimento to import or export from Mexico. So overall, the document looks the same. However, each port has their own little, they're a little bit finicky, more about one things and more, more about certain things than others. And it depends and the port directors change from time to time at different ports. So some of them have a little bit more specific rules. But in general, you know, by knowing the general, you know, document that you need and the process is the inspection, in general terms, it's the same. With the exception of the of the ocean port, you know, which is physically in an ocean and you're working with a terminal versus a land port, you're just working directly with customs, not via a terminal. Okay. Now, I also know a lot of people use couriers as part of their logistics change, and I know the major couriers all operate in Mexico, but are there things about using couriers in Mexico that I should be aware of? You're talking about going into airports? Uh, yeah, like FedEx, or if I'm using FedEx or uh, okay. UPS or somebody like that, is there anything I should be aware of there that you know is somewhat different than I might might experience in the U.S. or in Canada? Yeah, so there's there's one. Um, if you're importing under Emex in Mexico, it's very important that if you're importing raw materials, that you're importing under the company's pedimento. Typically, a courier imports as a and a global pedimento, which just creates one customs document for everything that they're carrying in that shipment, and you know they pay the duties right then and there. And so the Physically, the imp importer of record ends up being the courier for that material, and, and they just pay the duties on that. However, if you're Emex and you want to import a raw material, you need to use it, and eventually you're going to declare it on your bill of material as an export. So you need to have that entry into your books. So when you're working with a courier, you need to make sure that they know that you are Emex and that you would need to document that as a, a BSO or broker select option to for them to create a separate entry into Mexico under the maquiladora name. And that way you don't have inventory issues later. That sounds pretty important. You've given us a lot of information, Letty. Uh, can you share with us some of the most common mistakes that you see people make when they're shipping goods either into or out of Mexico? Yes. Well, the main thing is not letting anybody know that your shipment's on the way. I mean, that's really the, you know, not letting the brokers know, getting the brokers involved. There's a lot of moving parts. So there's the, the carrier, it could be the freight forwarder, the broker, customs broker, which would be U.S. or Mexico. And then there's the receiver, which typically if you're going into the Mexico, the receiver is the importer of record, typically. 
So all these pieces need to be aligned so that everything is cleared as fast as possible. So I've seen that many times where they're going to, they decide that they're going to send some containers from China. They buy these parts and they just say, okay, you know, and the, the shipper, uh, the provider says, I'm going to put them at the port of Manzanilla for you uh, and you clear it there. And then, yes. And then all of a sudden these containers arrive and it's like, oh yeah, these arrived. Like, oh yeah, yeah. They send those to me. Here you go. And, and it just doesn't work because nobody's prepared and nobody's done the inspection. Nobody has a, so that takes away of the free time for the container that you have, which most of the time that that happens, we end up in demerges. So that's the biggest thing is just getting everybody involved when you're going to ship and not ship until they give you the okay or whoever it is that you're working with. Okay. Anything else you want to add to help our listeners who are thinking of shipping from Mexico before we wind things up here? Things are changing, especially right now in different ports. So it's always a make sure you consult with someone that knows the business before starting anything and that we align you according to how the market situation is and route your shipment the most efficient way possible for that time. I think that's good advice. Uh, it ties in with what we've said a number of times in our podcast. So talk to somebody who knows what's going on and give you reliable advice and, and help. It makes things go a lot more smoothly uh, in Mexico. So I agree with that. Thanks for joining us today, Letty. You've given us a lot of valuable information and a good understanding of the best ways to move goods into and out of Mexico. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. If you haven't already listened to our previous podcast, please consider doing so. We cover a lot of different aspects of manufacturing in Mexico, and our series of podcasts can help you build a more complete understanding of the challenges and the opportunities for companies who want to operate there. If you have already listened to the full series, please stay tuned for our next episode where we will talk in more detail about customs and duties. Thanks again, and I hope you all have a great day. We appreciate you joining us for this session of the Manufacturing in Mexico podcast. For more information and resources about how to succeed in Mexico, be sure to visit our website, tetakawi.com.